Welcome. Hey everybody, um, I might have lost my book on my desk here. Oh, I got it. So <laughs> the June the June meetings of Bet's Business Book Club start with why? Is it coming up the right way? Okay, never Possibly. know if it's going to be backwards or not. Start oh yeah, that that that, that much is coming up correctly. <laughs> uh, do we we don't all know each other, which is really cool. Um, so should we just do like a quick? Um, a, a quick little intro. Uh, I'll start since, you know, I'm special, I guess. <laughs> this, is, this is my doing. So um, I am Bette Hochberger, CPA, uh, an avid reader. And the reason I put this together is because I had the thought, you know, if I'm reading all these books, we're listening to these books, and they're such great ideas. And if at least, you know, one month, I could discuss with somebody else, and try to implement it, how much better would my business be? How much better would I be as a business person or just a human in general if I could do this 12 times a year, right? Certainly better than I was otherwise. So that's why I set up this book club. Uh, you know, kind of ended up being a kind of a good thing that with the coronavirus can't meet in person because now I've got different people than ever would show up before coming and doing it in this format. So I'm excited. Um, let's see, Sarah, you wanna go next? I'm just gonna go across my my little list of people who I see. Okay. Hi, I'm Sarah Efting. I recently started a business in April that helps uh, organizations, nonprofit organizations and small business set up Salesforce and also trains people to be Salesforce administrators at the same time, kind of with an apprenticeship program. And so this has actually been super helpful for me. Uh, um, read or listened to two business books this this month, and it's it's nice to kind of get going and start with why I wrote my why statement yesterday. So I appreciate it. Nice, that's awesome. All right, um, I hope you're saying your name right, Friso. Yeah, that's that's correct. All right. Uh, you're one of the very few who is not saying Frisco, so. There's no C. I get it. People call me Bet Hutchenberger, and I'm like, there's no N. <laughs> or usually it's Betty Hutchenberger. I'm like, it's not even close, but. <laughs> well, me as a German, I would say Hochberger. Oh, you, you say it the right way. I say it the American way. What can I tell you? Yeah. <laughs> well, well I, I would say it Hochberger, but yeah. <laughs> well. Close enough. <laughs> it's all good. Okay, so my name is Friso Kramer. I'm an accountant, and uh, I came across Beth's uh, profile because she's as well a profit-first professional, and I just joined this uh, community. So and then I thought uh, this book club is a very good idea, so that I start reading more even again. So, and that's why I'm here. So, and I like this book anyway. So. What's the perfect start? Awesome. Welcome. Wait, what time is it where you are? It's now one one ten. I'm on the East Coast. Oh, you're on the East Coast. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm in New Jersey. <laughs> oh, all right. I thought you were in Germany. I was like, oh, where are you? No, then I otherwise then I would be now seven ten PM. <laughs> well, I'm originally from New Jersey, so I feel you. <laughs> well, welcome. I'm glad you joined us. Yeah. Thank you. 
Shraggy. Hey, I'm uh, Shraggy Zisman. I do uh, investments and insurance down here in Florida, as well as up in New York and New Jersey. I still, uh, now with, uh, with Zoom, I actually do trainings in my New Jersey office again, which is awesome, uh, in Oakland, New Jersey. And I am a, an avid book starter. I tend to start a lot of books. Um, I, I will admit I am only this far through. Well, this, You're so this close far. to the end. <laughs> I am almost, which is further than I get in most books that I start. If Usually it's like, it's like chapter version, one or two. If it's like my version, page 225 or whatever is the last page, and there's a bunch of crap at the end. Yeah, that, that, that's, I, we, we, we must have the same one. Yeah, then it starts the afterward. I'm on page 144, which, like I said, is further than I get through a lot of books, so I'm, I'm appreciative of it. My plan is to finish this one while I wait for the next book, which we haven't announced yet, to come from Amazon, because Amazon is not quite overnight anymore. Yeah, seriously. So, uh, heck, I just tried to order Scrabble for my parents, and I paid like $40 for, for the set, because it's the cheapest you can find at Target. Well, everyone is out of Scrabble. You know, I'm, I'm glad to see that people are playing, like, you know, games where you have to spell. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. So, yeah, and, and I, I should be reading a lot more. I should be reading more consistently. And this is, this is helping me get there. And being able to discuss it afterwards is just, uh, you know, bonus. So I appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks. Oh, my goodness. I can't believe it. he's here. Ajaman, are you going gonna... to? Why can you not believe? I can't believe. In the flesh. Hello. The whole world, right here. What's up, everybody? My name is Ajaman Clay. I'm a professionally trained actor and a fashion model and also an entrepreneur. Um, I was able to read this book um, during my most recent uh, business venture, and it really helped solidify our brand principles that we intend to continue to strive for and also reinforces me annually reinforcing my core values as a person and also what I represent in the, in, in the industry. So uh, I, I really got a kick out of it and I uh, would love to hear what everyone else is uh, going to say. Fantastic. Nice to see you. It's been a while. Good to see you too. Yeah. In fact, I, I might be in and out of the meeting because I'm actually working on an audition, but I Oh. I did make a commitment to be part of this discussion, right. so I wanted to we'll make sure slide. I'm here. All right, cool. What's that? I said we'll let it slide. <laughs> okay, cool, cool. You know, if cool. you need us to run lines with you, just throw them into the chat. And, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's what's up. That's what's up. That's what's up. Cool. No, break a leg, dude. Thank you. Thank you. Um, okay, and Sandy. Are you still here, Sandy? Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> maybe. All right, Sandy, if you are coming back at some point, we'll do an intro and uh, we'll see how, what happens. All right, so let's hop in it. There's not that I searched so hard, but I did like a quick Google search and I couldn't really find discussion questions for, um, for this book. Like I did with good to great. So, um, I'm just gonna kind of, I don't know, thumb through again and think about what um, 
what struck me. I mean, I'll say the thing that sticks in my mind the most, it's somewhere relatively early in the, like in the book, he talks about, I think it's like laundry detergent. And what do people say they want out of their laundry detergent versus what did they do? And maybe it was somewhere in the middle. I have like no concept of time anymore. But he said, you know, you ask people, you do research and they're like, oh, we want it to be clean. We want our whites whiter and our brights brighter and this and that. And then people would wash their clothes and take it out of the dryer. And the first thing they do, they're smelling them, right? Nobody said, I want my stuff to smell clean. And that, I mean, for me, for what I do, that it resonated so much because you talk to people about, and I'm an accountant, so I talk to people about counting, bookkeeping, taxes, and they're, they never say to me, I want my bookkeeping to be as accurate as possible. I want my tax return to be as correct as possible. You know, those are like, I don't know if it's just things that are just a given, you know, like, oh, of course you're going to do it right. Like, that's not what they want. And I, and I will talk to people about like, you know, we make sure we do things the right way and blah, blah, blah. And they're like, all right, whatever. And for many years, I couldn't understand why nobody was excited by having their books be right. <laughs> I'm like, I don't get it. Why, don't, why isn't this what they want? Like, this means I did a good job. And they just don't care. <laughs> I don't know if anyone else had, had like a moment of, you know, part of what he described like that. But that one really like struck me. Well, to, to me, well, one of the things that struck me that stood out right from the beginning um, and, you know, he, he refers to a number of different companies and industries throughout the book. And, and what struck me, and especially, it really hit me right away when he was talking about the computer companies, um, you know, versus Apple and things like that. Notice that, the, you know, Apple obviously is still around and still doing their thing and still epitomizes the lifestyle of the why that they represent. But Gateway is not around anymore. There was another one that he mentioned that isn't around anymore. Dell is really just making computers now, you know, so yeah, really, which is what he said, right? Exactly. Yeah. It's what he said, but he had no way of knowing that gateway was going to, you know, fall by the wayside at, at the time that he wrote it. Gateway was a major player still in computers. Um, I think, I think they were still a major player at the time. And, you know, the same thing with the, uh, with the airlines, you know, uh, Southwest is, you know, a, a large, uh, I mean, you know, I, I fly Southwest sometime up to New York even, um, but the company that it was based on, which I forget what it, what it was, uh, which one it was that Southwest copied, if it's still around, it's still just a small regional player. And mm -hmm. it's just that, you know, it, 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 time has borne out what he said with those companies. So to me, that was, you know, sort of the proof in the pudding that what he's talking about works. Besides the fact, I mean, I've, you know, I've spoken about it when people... Nobody wants to buy life insurance. Nobody wants to set aside money for investments. They're looking for the security that it gives them. They're looking for the protection for their family. They're looking for the lifestyle that having those things represent. Um, so that, yeah, so, I mean, you know, what Bet was saying, you know, it was very true, but that, that thing about the companies, you know, that he said they, they don't have a clear why or, you know, are the companies that sort of fell by the wayside and disappeared. Yeah, it's totally true. Um, and it's kind of that same thing, you know, you're saying no one wants to buy insurance. No one really wants to buy tax return, you know, or bookkeeping. But what do they want to buy? They want to buy knowing that if something goes wrong, right, like they get audited by the IRS for some reason, 
that I'm not gonna leave them high and dry and be like, oh, well, that's your problem. Yeah, I, I prepared it, but you know, you figure it out. You know, they want that security or they wanna know, like, I can help you make the taxes not be something you worry about. So you aren't waiting till the last second, which makes me nuts, but, <laughs> but usually it's like, why are people pushing off filing their taxes? Because they're worried they owe money. They don't have the money. You know, they spent it. They don't know on what and what are they going to do? Whereas if I'm like, listen, I have a system for you. You won't have that ever happen again. They're like, oh, okay. I, that's like, takes a big headache away. Mm -hmm. You know, want to know that you're going to help them be happier, feel better, be more secure, have more stability, safety net, something. So yeah, it's like, why does it matter if your tax return is correct? So you don't get audited. But if you get audited, we'll still help you. You know, it's, and it took me so long to understand that like, no one gives a crap about me, my process, how I do what I do. It was really how it makes them feel. Right. And the, what you do and the, and the, how you do it doesn't, doesn't relate to the feelings. So um, I don't know. And it, it's also really like all his things referring back to like the Martin Luther King speeches Especially if, like he said, I had a dream. I don't have a plan. I don't have like a nine point plan. I'm like, oh my God, you're right. Like I'll always be like, I have a plan for this. <laughs> we're like, whatever, you have a plan. Good job. <laughs> Nobody cares about your plan. Yeah. Or with Colgate that they have now 32 different toothpaste <laughs> plus four for kids. Yes. yes. How much toothpaste does one person need? Well, and it's funny because that it kind of crosses over into other books that we covered before. Um, I don't even remember which one. They start talking about when I mean, you have too many options, your brain can't handle it. You can't make a decision. So you might walk in and say, I'm going to buy toothpaste, be like a whole supermarket row of toothpaste and be like, I don't know. I can't deal with this and walk out with no toothpaste. I mean, maybe not toothpaste because you need it. <laughs> you might just grab whatever. But they find, you know, you have too many options. You pick nothing. Your just brain can't process it all and you're overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. uh, so I thought that was also interesting because he does talk about things that were in, um, oh, my brain's going to freeze on me. Um, not to start with why. That's what we're reading. I have to, like, see the books so that I can't remember their titles. I don't know. I'm going to keep talking. I'll figure it out. I should look at my book. You know? <laughs> yeah, did. So um, after I read it, I realized that um, it actually took me quite a while to um, identify my whys with my most recent company. It like led me to read like Mastery by Robert Greene. Uh, I think How Successful People Think by John C. Maxwell. Um, I really had to prey on it a lot in order to put the pen to paper. Um, on my why for this most recent company. So I want to know everyone um, that read this, did you go back and re-identify your whys? And if so, could you, you know, tell us what they were um, as it relates to your business and how you may have changed since, um, you know, reading, reading this book? I, like I said, when I introduced myself, I rewrote my why statement, but I'm only two months into my business. So um, basically why I started uh, my business called Technopath 
is because I was in a very abusive marriage and when I was able to learn Salesforce, which ends up be a very lucrative career because there's a lot of gap and need for people who know how to use the software, um, it saved my life, really. And so I want to be able to bring other people up to that level. And I think what reframed it for me is like, I knew that, right? And I knew I wanted to help nonprofits implement this so that they can do better in their community so they can spend less time trying to pull reports for grants and, and actually help the, you know, fulfill their mission. Um, so I started from that why place, but when I've been trying to do the marketing materials and stuff, I've been trying to explain the how and the what more than the why. So that's how I'm reframing it. That's why I wrote out kind of like what a new video I'm going to, put up as my one of my first blogs and stuff about my why amazing it, it, it's definitely i mean my uh you know i, I work with primerica and primerica is fairly clear on the why you know what why we do what we do um the what what sort of shifted in my in my mind is how i present that because as much as people are interested in the company's why, uh, in, you know, in my industry, you know, uh, I'm, I'm, they, they care about my why as well. Um, and sort of re, you know, redirecting how I talk about certain things and, and stepping a little bit further back from necessarily the what and the how and, and focusing a little bit more on the why has definitely shifted. Um, I mean, obviously there's a lot of the what and the how that are important, but shifting a little bit of the why of the of the of the potential clients wise um or or a teammate that i'm working with so, you know some of their why and how it ties into the company's why you know it, it sort of shifted a, a little bit of my focus of the conversation uh you know and and I, I i definitely you know it's something i recognize in you know truth leaves breadcrumbs and you know uh, I, i've you know i've read or, or heard a lot of different things on the whys and things like that but it really helped me focus more on presenting the company's why more so than it, it just, just, and, and how it relates to the client's why. I don't know if I'm really expressing myself uh, properly here, but it, it, it's changed. It's changed how I have a conversation with, uh, with people. I think that makes a lot of sense. You know, I mean, mine, I, and maybe it's because our industries are not so separated, but, um, like I have the, why did I start my business? Well, I worked for bigger firms that the work-life balance was horrible and they treated you like crap. And just the internal politics were miserable that I was like, why am I even on this hamster wheel of trying to move up the ladder? Because they just, it's like you'd move up a little and then they'd be like, oh, don't forget, there's a whole nother ladder up above. Once you got to this level, you keep going and we're going to throw things at you while you try to climb it. Um, so, you know, I really wanted a different kind of environment and a different kind of firm. And I didn't want that macho traditional CPA firm, like we're going to work 80 hours and you have no life, blah, blah, blah. There was really, there was no value to the employees. I don't think it's valuable to the 
clients, they're not getting, if someone's been working for 80 hours, you're not getting good results, you're not getting good work, and they're not thinking creatively about what they're doing for you. So, you know, I, I had all of that in mind when I started my firm, but none of that would translate to talking to clients. You know, it's like, oh yeah, we'll do your bookkeeping, we'll do this, we'll do that. But if you don't put a lot of that into your messaging, you, what differentiates me doing your taxes and bookkeeping from the, you know, the guy with another shingle down the street doing your bookkeeping and tax work and whatever. There's really nothing. So the, I had to figure out what, you know, how, what I wanted for myself, what my internal personal why was, how it related to my business and how it relate to my customers. And it turns out it's all actually interconnected, which is fantastic. Right? Like I want to build a business that supports me financially and lets me have the life that I want to live. But that's what I want for my clients too. I want them to be financially secure and successful and build a life that they enjoy living. So um, I, I think it, it made it solidify in my brain that what he was talking about with the, you know, understanding your why, like I needed to just infuse that into my conversations and my sales conversations have gotten much better as a result of infusing my own personal why and my business's why into my client's why. Because nobody talk, gets off a call with me and goes, eh, I don't want to make more money. I don't want to be more successful. I don't want to grow my business. I just want the cheapest, fastest, you know, crappiest bookkeeping I can get. And if that's what you want, I'm not the firm for you. So... <laughs> You know, and it lets me know right off the bat, if somebody wanted that, you know, go elsewhere there. You, you can find somebody cheaper. You can always find someone cheaper. It's not gonna be good, but you'll find someone cheaper. Um, but the, my big takeaway is my, like my website marketing is horrendous. <laughs> None of that information is anywhere on my website. So I definitely have some homework. I gotta, I gotta go like rewrite everything. I mean, right now it's like filled with COVID-19 like stimulus stuff, but even the other pages, it's, it's nowhere. It's not reflected in there. So I have some work to do. Yeah, that's, that's super important. Um, I, I noticed that sometimes as well, in my profession where, whether it's social media or my portfolio or even the uh, signature in my email, um, especially after reading a book like this, you want to make sure, you know, across all platforms or how you're presented that your, your why is speaking for itself. It's true. It's true. It also gives you, you know, he talks about like authenticity. And if you don't have like, why is this personally important to me? You're not going to come across authentic, right? Like, what makes you sound authentic? Like talking about something that you really care about is going to make you sound authentic. Right. Like he says in the, in the book then as well. So companies ask now their clients already, what should I say to, to sound authentic to you? Right. It's like the biggest irony. I'm going to do a, a like market research to figure out what sounds authentic. It's like, yeah, you're missing the point. Yeah. <laughs> what should we tell you to be authentic to you then? <laughs> and the harder you try, the le the less authentic it is. Right? It, it, it's basically what lies should we tell to be sincere? 
<laughs> and that's what it is. So with, with that being said, are you all also prepared for the backlash that may come from standing down on your why? Like, for instance, if you think about Nike, you know, four or three years ago, they came out with this Kaepernick ad and they got backlash. But they said, you know, this reflects our company values, our brand values. And then now you see it as, um, you know, a very important decision that they made and people are now backing them. So I think about that as well sometimes is, is, is in the why are we also prepared to receive the brunt of our why decisions, uh, you know, in business? Well, I think for Nike, you know, they got so much free advertising out of that and so much free press, whether you agreed with them or didn't agree with them, they were everywhere with that controversy. So in some ways it's, you know, brilliant marketing, but if it's really what you believe, I, I guess you shouldn't care. You know, if you're going to upset people, you can't make everybody happy. Right. That's true. No matter on, what. True. Now, on the other hand, Nike is in such a strong position. Yeah. So if mm. now a lot of sports team would say, Hey, we cannot work with you anymore then the sponsoring what Nike gives them would go away and probably let's say Adidas, Puma, which other company they could replace them. They won't offer them as much money then. So at the end, it's then a disadvantage then again for the, the sports team. Let's say, I don't know, whatever basketball team is sponsored by Nike and pumps there in, I don't know, 50, 100 million a year. So and now they say, okay, you don't want to work with us anymore because of this advertising. So now let's say Puma comes in, offers them just 50 million for the same deal. So then they cannot play, pay their players anymore. And then at the end, then they go down as well. So, But is it harder to make stands as a company as you scale, as you get bigger because you are making so much money and, and maybe people that don't disagree with you spend money with you? Um, do you find it, you know, I'm just posing a question. Do you, do, do we find it harder for companies as they get bigger to, you know, take these types of stances? I think it's almost easy. Me, personally? Yeah, of course. Yeah. I would say if, if they are in a strong position, they can much easier come up with a statement like this. If you would be just a small brand who wants to get bigger and you make this statement and now all your customers go away because it's unpopular and they can just go to another one, then you're done. So Nike is that strong. If they would lose, let's say 10% of their customers for, I'm just saying for a few months because then usually everything comes down and they, 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 their recurring customers will come back anyway because they love their products it's much easier for them as if you would be a startup now and you would do the same because usually it might be the right uh, principle you're standing for, but you are out of business, I believe, because you will end up in such cash flow issues. <laughs> I mean, I think though, you know, part of what he talks about in one of the later chapters is you know, one of the biggest challenges to your sticking with your why was success. So when you get to something like Nike, you know, I'm sure, you know, to be a fly on the wall when they were making that decision to run that series of ads or whatever exactly they did, 
I'm sure they had plenty of people who were like, you know, the backlash is going to be so horrible. You should not do this versus, you know, the ones who were like, oh, you know, the backlash is going to be bad. We should do this because it's free press or somebody in there who's like, you know, we really believe in this. We need to do it. So you're going to have so many more voices in there. Oh, sorry. But when you're creating a culture that, uh, you know, you're, you're building your tribe, do you really think that that many people who would be at the decision-making level would have a problem with it? Yeah. I think that, oh, really? Okay. Yeah, I think so. I think you have, because you've got lawyers, you've got, um, you know, marketers, you've, you've got so many people that will come at you with these different perspectives, you know, you got to like kind of filter through and have a, how do you guide through that? If you have a strong why, you know, if, and if I don't, I don't know what Nike's specific why is, but if that was in alignment with their why, it's easier to say, you know, okay, we have this decision. We made this decision. We don't really care so much what the naysayers internally have to say about it. But if you don't have that, then why are you making those decisions? It's usually going to be, we want publicity or, you know, something like that. Well, I mean, part, part of, you know, in that particular example, um, you know, part, part of what you're looking at is, you know, if that's a reflection of their why, then their loyal customers, you know, and he talks about, you know, the loyal customers are the people that are loyal because of your why, regardless of, you know, if you are necessarily the absolutely best product or necessarily, you know, the absolutely, you know, least expensive or cheapest product, but they're, they're there because of the why. If that's in alignment with their why, and you know, again, I'm, you know, he talks about the fact that you know, for tech, he's, you know, he, he's into the tech companies, but his sister was into the fashion, and he, you know, he couldn't care less. He didn't know the difference you know, between a $20 pair of jeans and a $60 pair or $100 pair of jeans. Was like 60 and 20 is not a big difference. Yeah, that, that's true. $300 jeans or whatever. Yeah, yeah all right. You know, a pair of, uh, again, I'm, I'm, not, I'm so not into like what Walmart the jeans are. Oh, like saying, yeah, the difference between, you know, yeah, a, a pair of Levi's or, or Route 66 jeans and a pair of diesel jeans. Um, I don't know if diesel's still uh, you know, a hot name in jeans anymore. Um, I'm getting old, uh, but ago. I'm sorry. <laughs> Fifteen years ago, maybe. <laughs> Again, I'm getting old. Um, you know, but but like you know, t to me, Nike was about a quality pair of sneakers. And but yeah, you know, the last pair of sneakers I bought was you know, Saucony. So I, I think it's the brand for DSW because I just needed something that wasn't falling apart, like my old Skechers were that I'd had for years, and you know. So, so to me, you know, maybe, maybe the controversy meant one way or the other, and it really doesn't matter, but, to, you know, but I wasn't sticking with Nike because of this or not because of this. There were some people that I'm sure that if they knew the why behind Nike, that made them just that much more loyal to them. And maybe they went out and bought that extra pair of sneakers because they wanted to support Nike, while the people who jumped away and you know and, and bought a pair of adidas or reebok or something instead you know or new balance because of that those are the people that if new balance was running a a, a sale they were going to buy, go buy the new balance instead of the nike anyway so ultimately it didn't make a difference to the loyal customer and to the you know and he talks about the fact that you don't you, you know, while you want all the customers you don't need the you know the, the fair weather customer now, it doesn't make it a different decision and a harder decision 
I think as you scale, if you don't have people, you know, at the top that are super passionate about what they're, you know, what they're doing and why they're doing it, then it, it starts coming down to a, you know, to a money decision and, and, and a sort of a business decision versus a business vision decision. So, you know, as, as a smaller company scales, they, if they're truly dedicated to their why, they should be able to ignore the naysayers and this is what we're doing, why we're doing it, and therefore we're going to continue. When the corporate structure gets maybe further from the why, you start going more towards the, you know, how many people are going to not buy our sneakers because of this or what, you know, is it good and or bad publicity? And as much as I was in marketing, I'm not necessarily always a believer that all publicity is good publicity either. I don't know. Someone should run their numbers, and like before, during, after, and see what it did for them. Yeah, good point. I'm. A, I'm actually. I'm gonna look that up. Um, I. I think it's good hearing hearing everybody's uh, point of view. It's making me think on some things. Um, because I think um, in in the contrary to my friends here what's what's your name from germany uh so yeah i think like for instance i'm an actor so if i was making 10 million dollars a film i think i would be less likely to speak out because i would i'm possibly <laughs> gonna be appeased right i'm gonna tell you why right i think because hollywood I'm, disproves that but yeah, yeah, go on. i'm just saying because <laughs> Nah, yeah, because I'd be caving to the money because I'm like, I'm making the money. I don't want to get certain people upset because I want to keep the kind of status quo um, going. Now, unless, right, I had a strong sense of core values and knew my why to the very, very end. Um, so uh, I just think it, it's a hard decision either way, but I actually think it's more difficult as you get bigger to take certain stances for fear of, you know, backlash from, from customers. But that's just my opinion. I think it depends on your personal why too. Because if sure. you were satisfied with just getting one movie, $10 million, like, I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then you could be like, I can say whatever I want. I got yeah. enough money to last me my lifetime. <laughs> <laughs> and then and, and I think there's comfort in that like I feel very comfortable starting my business because I you know saved five months worth of you know to to keep to my why I don't have to like really until five months from now I'm not really gonna have to uh dig <laughs> uh like just take whatever comes my way in terms of money and so it makes me comfortable. And I, I don't think, I personally think the more money you have, the more comfortable you are in saying exactly how you feel and think. But I mean, everybody's different. You know, no, good you know, point. Because yeah, if, you, if the money goes low, it's like, hmm, how strong was that? Why? You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, how desperate am I to hold on to it right now? It, it touches on such, so many other things like loss aversion right? Like there's just other um, biological and psychological factors that come into things. I actually wonder how many Hollywood stars go out and say something because they're worried that if they don't express this particular opinion, then other people who are in charge of giving them money 
like the agents and the hiring managers and the studios and, and whatnot, will they have a problem thinking, oh, they, they might think I don't agree with them and now they won't hire me. Like maybe it's, you know, maybe we're looking at it a little bit backwards that they feel like they have to have this view or express this opinion, even wh whether or not it goes along with their why, just because they're worried about the ramification of staying silent. Well, but the other is true. I mean, you think about the Dixie Chicks saying that they opposed the Iraq war in like 2006. I remember. Oh, they got fried. They lost. I got to say but, something. I used to be a huge Dixie Chicks fan, right? And around the time when that whole thing happened, that last uh -huh. album they put out was garbage. So I don't know. <laughs> what but they put out a shit album and then they went and they're like, wah, wah, wah. Like, we oppose the president. And I was like, I don't know. They're imploding. Like, forget it. Moving so on. They got, they got, they got canceled well, after that. That was a bad career move for them. It was it, horrible. It was. But, it was you know, horrible. I bet if you ask them today, and I feel like I've heard them say this, they stand by it. Yeah. Right. They wouldn't do anything different. Right. Because they, they were speaking from their heart. Now, I mean, one right. might feel, since there's three of them, right? There's three. Yeah. <laughs> One might feel more strongly than another, but I I don't think I don't I I doubt any of them really regret that. Plus if you're happy with your life, you usually take any of those hard Yeah, I can I can it's <laughs> Yeah, wow, to think about that. Yeah, the the Dixie Chicks, the country music band and then to stand up against wars with us took up I'm sure a lot of courage for their audience and demographic, but that's something that they believed in. So, um, wow, I have, to, I have to look that up. That, that, that's definitely a thinker right there. And I, I, I'm, I'm completely honest. I'd say I used to be a huge fan. And then that, all that same time period, they put out like terrible album. They had that, and I don't know, maybe things were related. Who, who knows, you know, the how people make decisions is like a whole separate, that's like a, it's, a, it's an entire, field of study and maybe we should find a book on it at some point and read that <laughs> how do you make decisions properly in a good way um, <laughs> well i mean doesn't he address that you make you make decisions with your gut and with the part of your brain that's yeah that's emotion driven and then you justify it with justify the fact afterward though yeah yeah there's plenty of that that goes on um no these are this is a fantastic discussion that's amazing um I gotta say, most of the stuff he talked about, I was like, Meh, whatever. I'm a huge Apple fan. I, I am streaming on my new Apple computer. I got my iPhone. And I never thought about it as like drinking the Kool-Aid of Apple. But I think maybe he was right because I've had PCs and I'm like, I like the Apple because I don't have to like fight with it. You know, I'm like it doesn't get viruses, like all these things. But maybe that's not really, really why I liked it so much. I was going to say, is that is that the what that you like, or is you know, or do you like the fact that you know? I mean, their stuff is beautiful, right? It's like a computer machine. It's beautiful. Like who says that about? I don't say about like my calculator. I don't say about my stapler. I'm like, well, I, I think they look good too. I still don't like, own any Apple. So pretty. <laughs> And I thought a lot about Salesforce. So if you aren't familiar, Salesforce is a customer relationship management system. And once you get into that, 
community. They actually built community there. 170,000 people come to their conference in San Francisco every year. Wow. And they pay a lot of money and they're billions dollar companies. But I, and I'm one of them. They have raving fans because Mark Benioff, he, when he founded Salesforce, he founded the Salesforce Foundation at the same time. He's been for nonprofits and about good causes, making sure that women and men are paid equally and spending millions of dollars to make sure that happens. And then when they acquire a company, having to do it all over again and spend millions of dollars more to do that. And people just gravitate to that and they wow. just rave about this software product uh, in the, you know, form of B2B. <laughs> I also hear people complain about this software. Yes, but. no, they do, but they have raving fans. Like they have a whole community of people. They have people getting together in groups to have social events. There's multiple wow. user groups in the area, men and women in technology group. They have, you know, they have all these different things that people just get behind. And yeah, they complain about things that are broken about the system and then it's and it's really expensive product. And still there's raving fans and that has to do with him being inspirational in what he's trying to get across. I, I don't think that's the whole reason, but I think that it's a a huge part of it. And it is oh, a for sure. Like it how long really have is. you been working with them? How long have you been working with them? I've I I don't work for them. I just uh, I'm a customer. Um, but I've been working as a like a programmer um, for four or five years, and I don't know any code. And that's the other thing is you can learn how to program their software without learning code, and so it becomes fairly accessible versus like basically learning a foreign language. Um, so I think that's one thing that really gets people uh, excited. I know it got me excited, obviously. Here I am, raving fan. <laughs> that's awesome. But right. then people got, uh, people got really upset because he sold Salesforce to the Border Patrol. So oh. there's people, employees like, some quit. They 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 came to the conference and interrupted his keynote speech with like banners and protests because in my mind I was like, well, then maybe they can he can help keep track of these children <laughs> somehow fix the problem. I don't know, but I understand people's. <laughs> Aversion uh, to it at the same time. To make. Yeah, that's a tough decision to make. Well, that's interesting. Like, are you? Are you? Yeah, like, bet. Have you ever turned down any clients based off yeah. thing, You know, viewpoints. No. You know, contradictory to your wife. Not for viewpoints. Um, I've turned down clients for not liking their business practices. Um, mm. I've had people that have come to me who are in such bad financial positions that I, I've told them like, 
nothing I can do will help you. Like you need, like here is a path you need to go down. And if you come back out of that path, reach back out. Like for example, someone called me once, they were trying to do something in real estate that it, it sounded kind of sketchy. And as we're talking, the guy told me that he maxed out like 11 credit cards and like all kinds mm-hmm. of stuff. And I was like, I, I don't feel comfortable taking your money. I don't think I can help you. But you need to go, like, you need to dig yourself out of the situation that you dug yourself into. Um, And something I always tell prospective clients, you know, it does me no good if my client goes out of business, right? Mm -hmm. So don't be the one to your client. Don't come to me on April 14th and say, how do I lower my taxes? It's like, no, that's a during the year conversation. You know, tax planning is all the time. It's not April 14th when I can't help you anyway. There's nothing you can do at that point. Um, File an extension. <laughs> yeah, but that's not gonna, that can help you uh, file your taxes, but I can't lower your taxes necessarily at April 14th. Really um, but, you know, there's definitely the people I would prefer to work with are the ones that want to have an ongoing relationship and they, you know, they, they want to do things the best way they can. They, you know, I, I have somebody that's been a client for a few years who like, I see their mindset towards money and I'm like, you're so limited by what you're saying is a constraint that it almost doesn't make sense to me why you're even in business. Right. And they're like, Oh, if I make too much money, then X, Y, Z happens, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, but if you made so much more money, that wouldn't be an issue. So, you know, sometimes it's frustrating and I don't necessarily fire clients like that. Cause I'm like, I don't know why you think this way, but you know, I can try to help you. And you know, I help them with other stuff, but it, sometimes it, I'm, I'm shocked. Like, and if they disappeared as a client, I wouldn't be that unhappy. I wish them well. I don't wish them ill, but I just, I don't understand their philosophy towards, towards their business, towards their life and everything. So I don't know, but I try to like aim high. I don't aim for like, well, if I skate in here, I can still get this benefit, right? Because nothing's for free. Whereas if you were like up here, this benefit you're getting, if you had to pay for it, would still, you'd still be making so much money, it wouldn't matter. But you have to decide that that's a goal for you. I, I can't decide your goals for you. <laughs> right? People can't decide my goals for me. It's the same thing. Um, but I, I mean, now, if you told me like some super anti-Semitic person came along, was like, I want you to do my taxes, if I knew of their views and their viewpoints or whatever, I'd probably say like, maybe you should find somebody else. I don't think I would necessarily take that person if they were very vocal and whatever, but it hasn't happened yet. So <laughs> I haven't had to make that decision, <laughs> but if it does, I'll post it in my, uh, in my book club website or um, the Facebook group. <laughs> I'll let everybody know. <laughs> I think. Yeah, no, I, I have I have to make these decisions all the time, to be honest, um, yeah. like in my profession. Um, and that's why, you know, I know a lot about brands and I research them and, you know, because I'm like an independent contractor. So basically using my likeness or image to, you know, pr- promote other people's, you know, products mm-hmm. or marketing campaigns or brands or agendas. So 
it's consistent, or especially in the acting arena, uh, playing yeah. a certain role, getting a certain, um, you know, script or character that doesn't align with, uh, you know, my core values uh, versus, you know, doing things that are, you know, for the craft and in honor of it. So there's, there's constantly uh, this, this, uh, this, this struggle uh, at times. So, um, you know, again, just back to the, the book, um, it, it was important to read something like this to kind of reinforce. Also, did anybody watch uh, the TED talk that he gave? I watched it a million years ago. <laughs> I, I, I have it bookmarked. Cool. <laughs> again, you know, avid book starter. So I, I have I have it bookmarked. <laughs> so what 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 spoke to you about it? About the TED talk. Um, it's so simple, but you know, start with why. It's a it's a very simple statement, but it's not always the easiest to implement. Mm, and right. uh, you know, I reiterate that's why it took me probably two or three months after reading the book to finally put the pen to the paper on the why for my uh, most recent business venture, and then even going back to you know my personal wise um so i was i i found it quite quite the challenge it seems so simple but it, it was quite the challenge for me um uh that's 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 what i got from it i gotta say though ajman looking at your website like this is really cool and i oh thank you I've been, I mean, I've known you for years, so I've seen you from the first idea of this, right? And the first, I think even before you had a prototype, you told me about this and just right. you have such a clear, you know, with this, who, what we believe in the philosophy, I think you have a very specific message and you're going to appeal to a very specific audience. And I think that audience is going to love it. I mean, I kind of want to buy one right now <laughs> i appreciate that i appreciate that yeah all of that i can wholeheartedly say you know a big portion of that comes from after reading this book because i remember like the first you were like it's gonna be a bag and blah 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 like this was like two or three years ago right exactly yeah it's been it's been refined a lot and um and and it's so funny you say that because i had a i had a conference call the other day with the suppliers, um, they are in Guangzhou, and I was on a conference call with the suppliers and also the the um, the architects, the designers of the bag, and us three were on the call, and literally in the back of my head, I had to go back to the why when making decisions on aesthetics or making decisions on on certain things or approving or vetoing. So it is the the echo, the endless echo um, that, that helps people, you know, helps you navigate uh, making decisions. That's awesome. Well, I'm glad to see this um, manifesting. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, if everything goes well, we're gonna have the final prototype um, the first week of July, and then I'll start like, you know, promoting it and trying to get the pre-orders and, and just implementing the Facebook ads and stuff like that. So I appreciate that. It has been a long journey, which, you know, is yet another uh, example of the why. It, it's taken a lot longer than I anticipated, but 
we had to stick to our core values um, in, in, in producing it. That's awesome. All right, guys, we only have a couple minutes. Does anyone have like a, something they want to say that they're going to commit to do as a result of reading this? I, I am like super wanting to hop on fixing my, my website copy. It's been a to-do for a while. Um, it's uh, also Story Brand. If anybody's ever read that, he's got a whole thing about how to like how to, how to market and like how to verbally describe stuff. And maybe I'll throw that book on. I mean, I it was pretty good. I liked it. Um, it's not like an earth-shattering book in the way some of these other ones are. But I, I, it's been like bugging me in the back of my mind. I like, got to fix this, got to fix this because my website is not reflecting my why. And I think that's a problem. Awesome. Where's, give, me, give me the deadline. I'll put a reminder right now so I can call and ask you. Did you <laughs> oh, you got an accountability buddy. <laughs> no, I don't, want you, I don't want you bugging me. <laughs> mm -hmm. You're going to be like, where's my taxes? And did you redo your website? <laughs> <laughs> where's your why? Uh, and that's that yours is very similar to mine uh pretty much exactly <laughs> oh, awesome. i'm gonna i'm gonna put the why on my website you know i started a lot with the what there's a little yeah, why there you know i have a little info graphic movie but uh yeah my, can, can everybody put their link um so i can um or or vet follow up with the email so i can go and check out everybody's site and stuff yeah or put it in the chat and I'll screenshot it before the end of this call. Hi, good, how you doing? Yes, good. Go for it, guys, and I'll, I, I'm sa I'll save it all of this also and it saves the chat, so I'll have it all. Yeah, feel free to copy and paste. That'll be our next book, Steal Like an Artist. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so speaking of next book, I have this book, it's been on my wanting to read for a while. It was brought up. Uh, on a Tony Robbins podcast, and it's called um, Fanocracy, right? And the thing that, uh, that appealed to me about it is when you're something boring like a CPA, how do you get stark raving fans to get excited oh. about you, about what you do, things like that? And I, and I was like, oh, there's no way that this applies to me. This is for like other brands, like we're selling something, whatever. And he talked about on the Tony Robbins podcast, insurance, like an insurance <laughs> agent. And I'm like, if an insurance agent can have stark raving fans, I can absolutely get stark raving fans. So I think this is going to be a good one. Um, my husband, who is a marketing exec, has been bugging me to read this and do this. Oh, more. really? <laughs> He wants to read it. He's like, well, if you pick it, I'll read it first, and then I'll tell you about it, and then you'll, eventually you'll read it. <laughs> what is it? It's called fan... Fanocracy. You have to make him get on the call next month, then. Uh, I try, like, each month. It it's, depends on his schedule, you know. I'll, I'll, I'll harp on him as well, if you'd like. Okay, so it's fanocracy... Turning David, customers and customers. Herman Scott. Scott, yep. Yeah, of course, there's no, I don't think there is paperback. What? Oh, is it that new? It's fairly new. It's hardcover or Kindle, and I don't have a Kindle. $10 for used, used from abooks.com. You can just get the Kindle app and read it on your phone. 480 on eBay with free three-day delivery. 
it's used. Oh, it says PDF. That's weird. I don't know. Good luck. Yeah, you, you get the used PDF. <laughs> <laughs> used PDF. All right. I think it'll be a good one. Um, I'll set up a whole new event and all that. Any any final thoughts, words, advice? No, thank I'm you so much. in the process of ordering that book now. <laughs> yeah, get that book. Yay. Yeah, I have to, I have to finish this while, while, while it comes. Well, you get like three days, so... <laughs> Well, yeah, but but the thing is also, yeah, I also get the free preview. That, that's what I did with this one. I, I ordered it on Amazon and I read the preview for the first two or three days, and then I just finished it, and then the book came in the in the mail. So that was awesome. Nice. All right. Cool. But I guess I'm getting it new. All right. Thank you, everyone. I'm gonna stop the recording.